0: You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. Now let's give Jesus a big, big, big hand of praise. Yes. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. (laughs) You may take your seat. Wow. What? I don't know about you, but my heart's been impacted by the testimonies. You know, the Bible says we defeat the enemy by the word of our testimony, by the blood of Jesus. So... I encourage you, if you have a testimony, to share it. Because there's people that are going through the same thing that you went through. And when they hear about what God has done in your life, their faith increases. And I know now the level of expectancy and faith is so high because of testimonies. And um, I, think so, I think the Lord so much too for the three people who came up to the front to testify. Because the Bible says that one time Jesus healed Ten lepers. But only one came to testify and give him the glory, you know. So if the Lord does something in your life, share it with others. When you share it, you give God the glory. When you receive a miracle, you receive a blessing. But when you share it, you give God the glory for what he's done in your life. You know, um, my heart is truly full of joy because I just got back from Israel. And uh, <laughs> we were there for 18 days. Um, And the the amazing part of this story is that last year, I have an 11-year-old son, and he uh, told me, I want to get baptized. So the moment he said that, I was like, we're going to Israel. (laughs) And um, the first time I went to Israel, I went to the Jordan River. My son maybe was one or two years old, and in my heart I said, Lord, whenever he wants to get baptized, I want him to get baptized right here in this river where you were baptized. So we were there for 18 days. We were filming a TV series about the miracles of Jesus. We went to the locations where Jesus healed the sick and delivered the oppressed. And from the same location, we shared from the scriptures, the stories. We went to the places where Jesus moved by the power of his spirit. And it was an amazing time. But when the day came to baptize Elijah... I went to this uh, like kind of secluded place in the Jordan River. We drove out of the road trying to find a, this nice place. We got it ready. It was like a Thursday morning. We got there, and we were about to get baptized. Suddenly, all these kayaks began to <laughs> flow down the river, you know, like full of Jewish people. We couldn't do it. So I'm like, oh, no, I was so disappointed. So let's come on the Sabbath. You know, on the Sabbath, there's, there, there's not going to be anybody here. And without me knowing it, God had everything planned I mean God is so special you know like it's so amazing that Sabbath on that night there was a blood moon you know just a sign in heaven that whoever calls on the name of the Lord the Bible says will be saved when you see signs like that and then I didn't know this but it fell on the 15th of Av in the Jewish calendar where they remember the day when a generation died before they entered the promised land. So a generation had to die in order for them to enter into the promised land. That's pretty much what baptism means, is that you've died to an old life and you've been born again to a new life. And um, so that morning we went to the Jordan River and my son got baptized and uh, it was so special. And that afternoon, uh, without planning, I had a conference with the messianic jewish community about 30 churches from all over israel came together we had like 700 messianic jews which is amazing what god is doing in their midst and uh, the lord's been moving and there's a hunger for revival and for salvation to come to the jewish people and i ministered that night and when i made the altar call the first one to come up was my son who's 11 years old and he knelt down, down on the altar. And when I began to pray for people, he came to the altar and I prayed for him. And for the first time, he got slain in the spirit and he got baptized, not only in water, but with the fire of God on the same day, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Now there's a scripture that says, there is no greater joy, no greater joy than to know that your children are walking in the truth. And at that moment, I experienced no greater joy. There's no greater joy than to see your children serving Jesus, loving the Lord. And in my heart, I felt when I saw him being touched by the Holy Spirit, there was so much joy in my heart. I said, thank you, God. Thank you so much because I want my children not just to grow up knowing about you, learning about you, hearing about you. I want them to encounter you. I want them to experience your presence and your love for them. I want them to have um, not only an intellectual knowledge of who you are, but an experiential uh, time in your presence. And I was so full of joy in, in the Lord' place in my heart. Imagine how you feel. Imagine how much more I rejoice Every time one of my children encounters my presence, every one of my children gets baptized, every time one of my children encounters the Holy Spirit, there's joy in heaven, the Bible says. There's rejoicing in heaven. So it was an amazing experience that we had in Israel. And uh, at that conference, the Lord poured out His Spirit upon many of God's chosen people. And uh, we also believe in for revival in Israel. But for those of you who don't know about the ministry, my name is Andres. I'm originally from Argentina, and I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was 21 years old in the revival in Argentina, and it changed my life forever. And I could testify and share my story, and I'll never get tired of sharing it because when you experience God, He does something so special in your heart that you want the whole world to know about it. You want the whole world to experience the love of God, to experience the beauty of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus. And um, I'm so glad that Pastor Vlad invited me to this conference because I love the title, Holy Spirit. (laughs) He's my passion, and he's the one I love on this earth, uh, is the person of the Holy Spirit. And it is my prayer that in these three days... Yes, you will receive knowledge. Yes, you will get encouraged in your faith. Yes, you will meet maybe new people. But most importantly, that you will have an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. That you will leave this conference filled with His love, filled with His joy, anointed with His power, with a deeper intimacy and relationship with Him, being ready to fulfill God's purpose and plan for your life. And I know... It is His promise to you that if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And your life will truly never be the same. Um, I want to show you a short video clip also. Uh, We travel around the world and we do different conferences and crusades. And we're seeing all types of healings and miracles take place. Uh, Earlier this year, about a couple months ago, we were in Mexico. Anybody from Mexico here? Mexico? (laughs) (laughs) we were in the southern part of Mexico. Anybody from Chiapas? No, that's really way in the south. And you know, this is an area of Mexico where there was persecution not very long ago. And many, many Christians were killed because of their faith. There was persecution against evangelical Christians and where we were uh, many martyrs in this place. So the, the, the Lord open the door for us to go there and I want us to see this uh, short video clip from Chiapas, Mexico Hay un solo camino para ser libre del pecado es a través de la sangre Hay otro camino, lo único que te puede limpiar de todo pecado, lo único que te puede hacer libre de todo pecado es la sangre de Jesucristo. Los dos ojos no podía ver ¿Puede ver mi mano? ¿Sí? Decirle que toque mi mano Decile ahora que toque mi mano otra vez Ahora decirle que me siga Que me siga Dos ojos y está viendo Si tú anhelas ser lleno del Espíritu Santo El primer paso es el arrepentimiento ¿Qué significa el arrepentimiento? Es cuando tú sientes esa convicción de pecado Tú tomas una decisión de cambiar tu forma de vivir Es una decisión personal que tú tomas De abandonar el pecado De dejar tus malos caminos tomar una decisión de seguir a Jesucristo y decir Jesús yo quiero ser tu discípulo yo anhelo más tu presencia que lo que este mundo me pueda ofrecer yo anhelo más cumplir tu propósito que satisfacer los deseos de mi carne y tú tomas una decisión de morir a ti mismo para vivir para Dios traía un tumor en la cabeza Antes de venir trajo un sumo y fue lleno del Espíritu Santo. Ahorita nomás más, se desapareció. Hace dos años no oía. Hace dos años no oía en ninguno de los dos oídos. De los dos. Y ahora está escuchando por los dos oídos. Jesús. 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 Después ese dolor totalmente. Y hoy dice que ella sintió un fuego en sus rodillas y en todo su cuerpo que ahorita ella puede moverse, a ver mueva la rodilla, mire, dele un aplauso a Jesucristo Tengo 35 años, y ahorita no no me ayuda, mire, dé la vuelta para aquí, 35 años, hacedor de milagros es Jesús Que hoy la trajeron cargando entre dos personas, no podía ni caminar, ya puede caminar, está sana Los sordos escuchan, los ciegos ven, los paralíticos caminan. El reino de los cielos se ha acercado, el reino de los cielos se ha acercado. El cual nos ha liberado de la potestad de las tinieblas y trasladado al reino de su amado Hijo en quien tenemos redención por su sangre, el perdón de pecados solamente por su sangre, por la sangre que Jesucristo vertió en la cruz por nosotros. Nosotros recibimos redención, libertad del pecado, del reino de las tinieblas y somos trasladados al reino de su Hijo amado Jesucristo. promise that in the last days he will pour out his spirit upon all people. And we're living in these last days where Jesus is coming very soon. And one of the signs is the outpouring of God's spirit upon all people. If you want to see all these video clips from different nations, you can visit the website holyspirit.tv. And there you can see all these different videos. And also we're going to... Uh, hopefully in the next week we videotaped the baptism of my son. So if you want to see that experience and from the Jordan River, you can also go to the website holyspirit.tv. We're going to be posting the different videos from the different locations in Israel, from different nations. So I hope it will be a blessing to you. The Holy Spirit is the most beautiful, wonderful person in this world. Jesus will come very soon. But right now, the one who is here in this room is the Holy Spirit. The one who comes to live inside of you when you give your life to Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, it is to your advantage. It is better for you that I go away. And you think, how can it be better for us? He said, because I'm going to leave with you, the comforter, the spirit of truth the Holy Spirit will be with you and he will come in you the Holy Spirit he will lead you into all the truth you know there's so much confusion in the world out there there's so many religions there's so many ideologies there's so many points of view who has the truth there's only one person who has all the truth and his name is the Holy Spirit You know, in this world, we will have trouble. We will face difficulties. We will face pain and loss and suffering. But the Holy Spirit is the one who Jesus left to comfort you, to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is the one who shows you God's purpose and plan for your life. You want to know, what is God's will for me? Why did God call me? Why did God make me? We all have these questions. What is his purpose for my life? Why am I here? Everybody's trying to find those answers. The only one who has that answer for you is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who shows you things to come. He will show you your purpose, the vision for your life. The Holy Spirit will encourage you, will comfort you. But most importantly, the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus for who he truly is to your heart. There's so many misconceptions about Jesus. There's so many wrong theologies and points of view of who Christ is. What is he like? But the Holy Spirit will reveal to your heart Jesus, a living Christ. He's so amazing. If you only knew. There's a big difference between simply reading the scriptures and seeing Jesus through the scriptures. There's a big difference between memorizing scriptures and hearing the Holy Spirit speak those scriptures to your heart. The way Jesus will say them to you. You know, there's a, today we live in a text society. You know, messages and WhatsApp and text and and sometimes you send a text and people get the wrong idea because they don't see your face when you're texting. They don't know the way you said it. So, so, so what do we have? Like a smiley face. We put a thumbs up. You know, we, we put something next to the text so people will know that we're smiling when we say this. That we're not trying to be rude. We're just trying to say it in a nice way. So you put a little smiley face next to what you said. See, when you read the scriptures, the enemy will try to bring these uh, misconceptions on the way he speaks. See, when Jesus will speak to you, he will speak to you with a smile in his face. He will speak to you with, he will put in a, a, a little, the one you blow the kiss. You know, that's the one I always send to my wife. <laughs> if, if, if he, he would put that next to every scripture for you. But you see, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't see that. You don't see that. Because even the devil used the scriptures to tempt Jesus. Even the devil you try to use the scriptures to deceive Jesus. And even the enemy continues to even use scripture to bring deception and condemnation and guilt and shame upon people's lives. But when you have the Holy Spirit... He opens your eyes to see not only what Jesus says, but the way he speaks to you. And when you see Jesus for who he is, you fall in love with him. You fall in love with him. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. He's not uh, a gift. He's not a feeling. He's not an emotion. He's a real person. He's got emotions. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That means that he's very sensitive. He can be easily, very easily grieved. The Bible speaks about the mind of the Spirit, the will of the Spirit. He's got a mind. He's got a will. The Bible says, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. That means that the Holy Spirit can speak to you. And you know, I love the deliverance ministry, and it's part of our calling here on earth. But our emphasis should not be on the demonic, but on the Spirit of Christ. On the Holy Spirit. And it's very simple. When you hear demons speak, you know what they want to do? Kill, steal, and destroy. That's what they do. They want to kill, and steal, and destroy from you. But when the Spirit of Christ comes inside of you, he wants to give you life. He wants to give you abundant joy. He wants to give you his grace, his favor. He wants you to experience the love of God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is holy. He is good. He is love. And the moment you receive Christ, he comes to dwell inside of you. Listen to me. This is amazing. The Bible says that this is a mystery that has been hidden for generations. Generations wished that they could hear what you're about to hear tonight. This is a mystery that was hidden for generations, but is now revealed to us, his saints. And this is the mystery, Christ inside of us, the hope of glory. Christ, by his spirit, comes to dwell inside of you. And your body, becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body becomes the dwelling place for the God who created the heavens and the earth. And that is a mystery that is revealed to us. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in your heart. This is a beautiful revelation because you leave this conference, but he's going to leave with you. Wherever you go, wherever you walk, he goes with you. And it's not like, oh, he has more and he has less. No, you cannot have more or less of me. You have him or you don't. You have all of who the Holy Spirit is inside of you. But you know, there's different manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And in this conference, I want to share about different manifestations of the Holy Spirit. He's not a manifestation, but he manifests himself for our favor i want to speak to you tonight as quickly as i can about the manifestation of the baptism of the holy spirit and fire about the fire about the experience with the holy spirit when he submerges you in his fire and about the reign of the spirit two different manifestations of the same Spirit, and if it is possible to turn off these little sprayers on the side, it would be wonderful. <laughs> Let's go to the scriptures Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. This is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you, he's talking about Jesus, with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then Hosea chapter six, verse one, it says, come and let us return to the Lord for he has torn but he will heal us he has stricken but he will bind us up after two days he will revive us on the third day he will raise us up that we may live in his sight let us know let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord His going forth is established as the morning he will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. The fire is a personal, intimate experience with the Holy Spirit. You are baptized in water for repentance. When I baptize my son, I'm the one who baptized them in water, I submerged them in the river. That's a representation that you've been buried with Christ, that you've died to an old life, that you made a decision to die to your life of sin, and that you've been born again or raised to a newness of life in Christ. The one who baptizes you in water could be a pastor, a preacher, your dad, your mom. The Bible doesn't specify who's the one who's going to baptize you in the water, but it's another man or another woman. But John the Baptist said there's a the man who's mightier greater, more powerful than any preacher, prophet, pastor, teacher. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is not going to baptize us in water, but he will baptize us or submerge us in the Holy Spirit and fire. He will stand not in the Jordan River. He will stand on a river of fire. And he's going to submerge you in this river. He will, um, you know, when I baptized my son, I made sure he went completely under. (laughs) I wanted him to be fully submerged. I didn't want him to be sprinkled. The Bible doesn't speak about sprinkling. It speaks about submerging. It means you fully died and you fully born again. And Jesus is going to fully submerge you in the river of fire. Give Jesus a big hand of praise. Why is this important? Because the fire, the first thing it does, and this is what truly transforms your life, it reveals his love to you. The Bible says in Romans 5.5, that hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured upon our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And this is an experiential, uh, encounter with the love of God. The Bible also says that the love of God surpasses your understanding. It's so deep, it's so high, it's so wide that your mind is not able to even come, it's not able to grasp how much he loves you. And people heard all their life, yes Jesus loves me. And you heard that Jesus loves you. You believe that he loves you. You believe that he demonstrated his love for you that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. That was the greatest demonstration of love in the history of humanity. But that's not even comes close to uh, explaining or for you to get a small grasp of how much he truly loves you. And when he submerges you in his fire, the spirit of God reveals to your heart how much he loves you. And it's like he saturates your whole being with love. It's like liquid love that's poured upon your heart. It's an experience that you have. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. All my life I went to church. How many here were raised in Christian homes? What a blessing. Every, yes, yes. Every Sunday morning at church, every Sunday. Before, we used to go Sunday morning, Sunday night. I don't know when they cut Sunday night off, but it used to be Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday nights. It used to be three times a week uh, when I grew up. And the pews were hard. They were not like cushioning like right now. You know, it was hard pews, and the services were long, and and I remember falling asleep on the pews, and I mean... And every day at my house, we had devotional. So I heard about Jesus. I, was, I received Jesus. I believed in Jesus. I read all the Bible. I read the stories. I believed the stories. I admire, honor, love the God of Israel. But then came a point like you start growing up and you begin exposed to this world. And you begin to get exposed to all these different religions, different views. You go to the university and they begin to teach about evolution and science and this and that. And suddenly you begin to see where is God. And he seems very far away from you. You don't feel it, you don't experience it, you begin to think it's simply something that maybe I was taught. So I continued to live my life. I went, got accepted to medical school in that time. I went in an exchange program back to my country of Argentina. I was used to going to a Baptist church on Sunday morning, so I went to look for a Baptist church in the town. I stepped in the church, revival. I'd never seen anything like this before. I mean, people wild about Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong with these people? They were dancing, lifting up their hands, shouting, crying. I mean, services would last for four hours and people didn't want to leave. Miracles were taking place. I began to see healings take place. I met the young people. They were passionate for Jesus. They would go out on the streets to share the gospel. They would get together to pray. I was used to my youth group. It was pizza and bowling, you know. That was my youth group. And these young people were, was prayer and casting out demons, prayer and healing the sick, prayer and evangelism. And I was like, what's going on? But suddenly I begin to see the God that I read about, that I heard about all my life in action. I begin to see the God that I studied about, that I loved, that I had a, a mental intellectual knowledge. I begin to see him manifest himself. And I begin to ask, why is this happening? And I begin to interview all the young people. You know, what happened to you? Why, is, why are you like this? Why are you? And all of them had a different story, but they all had something in common. They all had had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. They all had a supernatural experience with the Holy Spirit at some point in their life. They were not all the same because every encounter is different. They were not all the same stories. They're all different stories, but they all had something in common. It was the Holy Spirit. So I said, I want to have this encounter with the Holy Spirit. And they said to me, all you need to do is ask. So I began to pray, and I began to ask. And the Lord placed the word in front of me called sanctification. So I got on my knees, and I began to ask the the Lord to examine my heart. And I began to confess my sins to the Lord. And I began to truly try to get my heart ready and people will come and pray for me and nothing would happen every altar call i'll be the first one to go they will pray for me nothing would happen everybody will be touched except me but i but i i i held on to the scripture that said the promise is to you and to your children and to all those who are far off to as many as the lord our god would call there's a promise upon your life and that's the promise of the holy spirit we went to a conference similar to this one, but it was a youth conference, all young people. And it was amazing. I mean, just God moving by His Spirit, young people being touched. Again, I went to the altar, they prayed for me. Nothing happened. I didn't feel anything, I didn't sense anything, I didn't cry, nothing. The conference was over, and to be honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed. I went with an expectancy to receive from God. I wanted to encounter the Holy Spirit. I wanted to get to know him more. I wanted to have what they had. But nothing happened. The conference was over, everybody was going home. We got back in our bus, driving a couple hours back to the city, there in Argentina where I, where I was living. And on the bus, a friend of mine sat next to me, another young person, and I told him, hey, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, let's pray. I said, okay, we already prayed so many times. Uh, so one more time, so I just you know, bow my head, and he placed his hand on my shoulder, and we began to pray. As we were praying, this is hard to describe with words, but the atmosphere inside the bus changed. Like the glory of God filled that bus. There was a tangible presence of God in the bus. And I had my eyes closed, but in a moment, I began to hear all the young people in the bus begin to pray loud in tongues. There was like a Pentecost inside the bus, and all, and I had my eyes closed, but I could hear them all praying really loud in tongues. Like, like I don't, know, I don't know what was happening, but I could hear just every young person praying loud in tongues, and I had my eyes closed, and suddenly I felt this heat just come through my body, and this electricity go through my arms, and this supernatural love, just love. It's just love, man. All you can say is just love. He loves. He's love. God is love. That's who He is. He loves. He loves you. He loves you so much. I couldn't believe He loved me that way. I couldn't believe it. Because one of the, there's a lot of blessings, but one of the dangers of growing up in a religious home or a Christian home or traditional Christian home is that you feel you're not good enough like you break, you're you always breaking the commandments, you know, you can't, and you feel like God is disappointed with you, you feel like God, you let him down so many times, and you tried on your strength, and you tried to be holy, but you can't, and then you make a mistake, and you come to him, and you're like, there's got to be a point where he's just like, I had enough with this guy, you know, I'm done with him, he's already repented so many times, he made so many mistakes, but when you encounter him, you realize that he's that's all lies of the enemy. His love for you is unconditional. No matter how many times you fail, he continues to love. And his love is not, it's like nothing you've ever experienced on this earth. It's not like the love of your earthly father or mother or brother or sister, husband or wife. As wonderful as that love is, as good as your dad can be. You may have the most perfect dad in the world, but it doesn't even come close to how much God truly loves you. I broke down. I started to cry. I fell on the floor of the bus. I began to feel waves of electricity, power, love just run through my body. All I could do was weep and cry and cry. And I began to hear the voice of God because the Holy Spirit will speak to you from the fire. He speaks from fire. And he said, Andres, the decision that you made has come up to my presence. From this day forward, I will be with you and I will never leave you. And you're going to be with me and you're never going to leave me. He said, I've chosen you since the time you were in your mother's womb. And he said, the number of people that will receive the Holy Spirit through your life will be like the stars in the heavens and like the sand of the sea. Your ministry is not going to be of words, but of signs, wonders, and miracles. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to be a preacher, you know? (laughs) I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to, I'm gonna be a doctor. I don't want I don't like to stand in front of people and speak and talk. That's not my gift. You know, I'm I'm gonna serve through through medicine. But something happens when you encounter his love. It wrecks your life forever. You're ruined. You're ruined for this world. Nothing in this world will ever, ever come close to satisfying your soul like. You live for those moments where you encounter his love again. You live for those moments where you see his face again. You live, you live for those moments when you see his smile once again. That becomes your, he becomes your passion. You know, like he read in the scripture, he becomes your reward. I don't, I don't want rewards from this world. I want him to be my reward. And you live because you want him. You want to see his face You want to experience his love. You want to experience his love. You want Jesus to be your reward. You don't want anything else in this world. You want Jesus. Because when you see him for who he is, that's who you will live for. That's who you will die for. Because he's the only one who's who's worthy of everything in this life. Only Jesus. I wept for over two hours on the floor. I couldn't get up off the floor. They had to get me up in the name of Jesus. When I got up, I was soaking wet in tears. I had wept for over two hours because I've never experienced a love like that. My life was totally and completely changed by encountering the Holy Spirit. And from that day till today, that was about 20 years ago, He's never left me and He will never leave you. The Bible says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's the fire of the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Holy Spirit also, what it does, it purifies, it sanctifies. The Bible says that by His Spirit, God writes His laws upon your heart. He changes the desires of your heart. You know, I was so, oh, it was amazing. I was in Israel, and there's, there's Jewish people everywhere, <laughs> you know, and they're all trying so hard to obey the law. I mean, they walk down the street reading. You go to the Wailing Wall and they're there and they're studying and their kids are reading and they're working and they're trying. They have 613 commandments that they have to follow. And they can't do it. I don't, it doesn't matter how hard you try. You cannot live a holy life without the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit... When the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, he writes God's laws in your heart. He changes your desires. He sanctifies us, Gentiles, the Bible says. He purifies us. You know, fire, one of the qualities is it purifies. He takes impurities out of things. And when God submerges you in fire, he purifies you. He purifies your thoughts. He purifies your emotions. He purifies your very nature, and then fire illuminates. There's a light when the fire comes to your life. The Bible says that God makes his light shine in our hearts that we may be able to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Without the fire, you're not able to see Jesus for who he is. So all you have is secondary knowledge about Jesus. Was somebody, what you read in a book or what somebody told you. But when the fire comes to your life, suddenly you begin to see Jesus. You begin to see the glory of God in your heart revealed by the Holy Spirit. He reveals to your heart the very face of Jesus. Is the fire of God. What causes you to become passionate for the Lord? What causes you to see a living God? What gives you power to overcome sin? It's the fire of God what allows you to experience God's love for you. Now, the rain is totally different. The Bible says that he sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. He only sends his fire upon his children, upon a holy sacrifice. The rain, he sends it on everybody. Rain is when people who are not even Christians begin to experience the presence of God. The rain is when God begins to manifest his presence not only in church but in the streets. In the city and upon a nation. When the spiritual climate of a nation, of a city, is transformed by the Holy Spirit. You know, there are nations that you stepped into and it's dark. Because there's so much idolatry, witchcraft. There's, there's oppression. There's uh, poverty. There's sickness. There's disease. There's suffering. Because there's a, there's a demonic atmosphere. When God sends his rain, he changes the spiritual climate of a city or a nation. And people begin to feel conviction of sin in the streets. And people begin to feel a desire to seek God even in their homes. And people begin to get healed in the streets. There's a transformation in the atmosphere, a transformation in the city, in the nation. And that should be our number one desire. Not only for us to experience his love, but for this world to experience his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves the world. And the only one who can reveal the love of Jesus to this world is the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that in the times of the prophet Elijah, there was a drought, no rain, for three and a half years in Israel. For three and a half years, there was no rain. No rain means no life, means death. The livestock begins to die. Where there were cows and sheep, now there's carcasses. The rivers begin to dry. The plants, the crops begin to die. Three and a half years, no rain in Israel. And the reason there was no rain in Israel is because the children of God, Begin to worship idols. Not because they forgot about God and they turned their backs on God, but because there was a mixture. They worship idols and they worship God. They worship God and they worship idols. They went to God and if God did not answer their prayer, they went to an idol. The thing about an idol, an idol doesn't demand holiness from you. doesn't demand a commitment from you. So it's a lot easier to worship an idol than to worship the living God. So people began to do both. And there was a mixture in God's people. And because of this mixture in God's people, the whole land fell under a drought. The spiritual state of God's people will determine the spiritual state of the nation. There was a mixture, a drought, because the children of Israel were worshiping idols. The same thing happens today in the church. There is a mixture in the life of Christians. I'm amazed today that there's no difference between a person from the world and a person who is a Christian. They watch the same movies, they listen to the same music, They go to the same places. It comes a point where God's children have one foot in the world, one foot in church. On Sunday, they're worshiping God. During the week, they're playing every type of evil video game. On Sunday, they lift up their hands to Jesus. On Friday, they are in the club. And you cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of Christ. The Bible does not teach isolation. It's not that we need to be isolated from the world. No. Jesus said to be in the world, but not of the world. The Bible speaks about separation, not isolation. We are in this world. We live in this world. We're among the people of this world, but we are not of this world. And we cannot contaminate ourselves with this world. You know, my children go to Christian schools. And supposedly the students are Christians. But they come home and when they tell me what their other kids watch, play, and do, I'm like, what's going on in the church? What's going on in the church? What are we teaching our children? They can watch anything they want. They can play every video game out there there is. Listen to any music they want. There's a mixture. And because there's this mixture... There's no revival. And we blame the president, we blame the political system, we blame the world, we blame this group and that group. The rain does not depend on the president. The rain does not depend on a political party being a president. The the, the rain does not depend on what the people of the world are doing. The rain depends on us, we as the church are doing. What are we doing? If my people who are known by my name they will humble themselves they will pray they will turn from their wicked ways they will seek my face then I will answer from heaven and heal their land and forgive their sins talking about the land talking about the city talking about the nation But the church has been so mixed that there's no difference between the church and the world. So the Bible says that Elijah went to King Ahab and said, bring all the people to Mount Carmel. And I was there last week with my son. You know, my son's named Elijah after the prophet Elijah. And we went to Mount Carmel. I wanted him to see this place. And He got all the children of Israel on top of this mountain. And the first thing that Elijah said, he said, How long are you gonna falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, serve him only. If the idols are God, serve and worship them only. Make a decision. If you wanna live for the world, go live for the world. But if you wanna live for God, live for God only. Live for God only. I'm glad you guys responded because the children of Israel did not say a word. (laughs) They all stayed quiet. So Elijah said, okay, let's do this. You guys build an altar to Baal. And I'll build an altar to the Lord. And let the God who answers by fire be the true God. And the prophets of Baal, they build their altar. They offer the sacrifice. They begin to dance, shout, call in the name of Baal. No answer. No response. So idols cannot see, idols cannot hear, idols cannot respond. Then the Bible says that Elijah, the first thing he did, he took 12 stones that represented the 12 tribes of Israel that were scattered, and he brought the 12 stones together and built an altar. The first thing that he did is he brought unity to the stones To the tribes of Israel. If we want the fire to fall, the first thing is unity. There must be unity. In the day of Pentecost, the Bible uses this word. The word unanimous. With one accord. Not only in one place, but one accord. Unanimous. With the same desire. Before the rain comes, the fire must fall first. And if the fire must fall, we must first... Reconcile with each other. The Bible says that when God sends, uh, the, the, behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. This is amazing. But when he says about, when he speaks about Elijah, speaking about the spirit of Elijah. You know, um, Jesus is known as the son of David. God is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Holy Spirit is known as the spirit of Elijah. It says, when the spirit of Elijah comes, when Elijah comes, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and of the children to the fathers. There will be a reconciliation in your family. He, he, will, he wants to bring unity to your family. He wants you to forgive your father. Forgive your mother. Forgive your son. Forgive your daughter. If we don't forgive others, God cannot forgive us. And you will not receive his fire as long as there's unforgiveness in your heart. You know, many times I pray for people and nothing happens. It's like praying for a rock many times. And I ask him, who do you need to forgive? And most of the time they say, my father, my mother, or someone close to them. And the moment they forgive is like heavens open upon their lives, and the Holy Spirit descends and heals and restores and brings life to that heart. The first thing that Elijah did was restore the altar. He brought unity, reconciliation. So if tonight you want to encounter God's love, you want to encounter his fire, you want to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you want to have this glorious experience with Jesus, you must forgive. You must forgive. As long as you have unforgiveness in your heart, you will not be able to receive God's forgiveness. Jesus said it. If we don't forgive others, God cannot forgive us. Blessed are the merciful because they will be shown mercy. And sometimes I know, I've talked to many people, it's very difficult to forgive. Because many people have gone through many difficult trials, circumstances, abuse. The same way Jesus forgave you, and Jesus forgives you even though you do not deserve his forgiveness. It's the same way you must forgive others even though they may not deserve your forgiveness. Then the Bible says that after preparing the altar, he prepared a sacrifice. He offered a sacrifice. There must be a sacrifice for the fire to fall. He offered a bull, but the Bible, we don't offer animals today because uh, Christ became the sacrifice for our sins. So Christ is the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of every single one of us. He is the lamb of God who was sacrificed for the sins of the world. But the Bible speaks about the sacrifice of praise, of adoration, of worship, which is the fruit of your lips. Many people come and during the worship, they're just standing there like this. And they leave and they never experience his presence, his fire, because they offered no sacrifice unto the Lord. But when you come into his presence and you offer to him the sacrifice of praise, even though you may not know how to sing, even though you may not have a beautiful voice, even though you may be tired, even though you may be embarrassed at what the person next to you may think about you, but you open your mouth. And you begin to praise him and worship him, not for what he does, but for who he is. And you offer it to him. It is a pleasing sacrifice before the Lord. The Bible speaks about our offerings as a sacrifice. The Bible says they're a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. We are well-pleasing to the Lord. I don't know what it is, but generosity attracts the presence of heaven. I don't know why. But I've seen it time and time again. People who experience in revival are generous people. People who give opens the heavens upon their lives. I'm not talking about receiving financial blessings. There's something a lot greater than financial blessings. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible also speaks offering your body as a living sacrifice says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. God doesn't just want your praise. God doesn't just want your offering. He wants all of you. He wants your heart. He wants your body. That's what you need to offer to him, your body, as a living, holy sacrifice to God. He wants you. He wants all of you to be offered unto him. And when you offer all of you, your heart becomes that altar where he sends his fire. He had fixed the altar. He had offered the sacrifice, but there was no fire. There was no fire. Then Elijah asked the people something very difficult. Something very hard to do. He told them, Take water and pour it on the sacrifice. I can imagine when God gave the instructions to Elijah and said, okay, you do this, 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 and then tell the people to take water and pour it on the sacrifice. Elijah's like, no, Lord, you know, they may give a bull, but I don't think they're gonna give water. That's the most right now, water is worth more than gold. The most precious thing that they have is water. Water is life. Three days without water and you die. And it hasn't rained for three and a half years. And Elijah said, you want the fire? You want the rain? First, pour the water on the altar. That water represents repentance. Without true and genuine repentance, there's no fire. You may get touched by the holy spirit but you will not receive his fire because the fire is holy and first comes the baptism of water which represents repentance and then comes the baptism of fire it's not first the fire and then repentance first is repentance now i think repentance is something very serious and it's something very difficult to ask people to do that's why nobody asks people to repent anymore because it's kind of like asking people to give their water on a time of drought. People don't like to hear that. If you were in a drought now and you had one little bottle of water and here comes somebody and tells you you gotta pour that water on the altar, you you would not wanna hear that. There's no other way though. You wanna live? You must repent. Jesus explained repentance like this. So we won't. We'll be straightforward. That's what I love about Jesus. Your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. No, go to a 10-course course. course, Oh, go back to the church. Go through counseling. No, cut it out. Your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter... Heaven without a hand and without an eye than to go to hell with both hands and both eyes. What does it mean? you got to take drastic measures. This is drastic measures. Whatever is causing you to sin, it doesn't matter what it is or who it is. You need to cut it off from your life. Cut it off from the root. It's not worth it. John the Baptist said, produce fruit, fruit worthy of repentance. What does fruit mean? It means a change in your lifestyle. It's not a game where you come to God and you ask him to forgive you and the next day you do the same thing and you ask him to forgive you. And you go. It's, not, it's, not, it's not a game. You will not receive his fire like that. You will not see revival like that. You must make a decision to cut it off, to pluck it out from your life. And then the, the people had no, no other choice. They had... Serve Baal. They pray to Baal. Nothing. They're still in the desert. They're still in the drought. So they obeyed Elijah. They poured water. Then Elijah looked at them and said, Do it again. <laughs> it's like, What? We just gave you our water. Do it again. They did it again. And he said, Do it again. Three times. Do it again. What does it mean? The repentance is not something that you, that once you're saved, and then that's it. You forget about it. And then you live the rest of your life the way you want to live. Many people think, oh, you just confess a prayer before God and then you're saved. That's it. Repentance is a lifestyle of holiness, of purity, of saying, Lord, if I make a mistake, examine my heart like King David said. Examine my heart if there's something in me that you don't like. Lord, I'm willing to change for you. I want your presence in my life. I want you in my life more than anything that this world has to offer you. I want you, Jesus. I want you, Holy Spirit. They poured the water for the third time. And then Elijah prayed. And he said, let it be known that I've done all these things at your command. And the Bible says that fire, fire came from heaven. And consumed the altar and consumed the sacrifice. He said, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and he licked up the water that was on the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. Many, Many people will think, that's revival. God's people turn to the Lord. But when that happened, Elijah began to hear something. Not before the fire, after the fire, Elijah heard something. He said, "I hear the sound of abundance of rain. When the fire falls on the church, get ready because the rain is going to fall in the world. The rain is gonna fall on the world. And the Bible says that Elijah went up Mount Carmel once again. He got on his knees, he prayed, and he got his face between his knees and he began to pray for rain. And he prayed with all of his heart. He stood up, looked around, not even one cloud in the sky. Nothing. He could have said, I'm done. I'm going down again. God's children already saved. They already returned to the Lord. But no, he got on his knees again and he prayed for a second time. Nothing happened. He prayed for the third time and nothing happened. He prayed for the fourth time and nothing happened. And most people pray for a revival. One year, two years, three years, and they see nothing happen. And you see a church praying for revival and they see nothing happen. And Elijah could have given up after four or five times, but he continued to pray. Not for the fire, but for the rain. He said, I'm not satisfied with just seeing the fire fall. I want to see the rain fall upon the just and the unjust. I don't want God's children to be blessed to experience his love. I want the world to know his love. Seven times And then the Bible says that rain fell upon the earth. It says that the Bible says that so much rain fell, it was an abundance of rain. And Zechariah 10:1 says, "Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone, for everyone. The Bible says that Elijah, he was a man like us. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly. And for it not to rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Because one man prayed, God opened the heavens and sent his rain. You know, when... When when Jesus, you know, before the service, they were praying for a revival. And I was like, man, that's so awesome what they're doing here. Because they're knocking on heaven's door. They're knocking, they're knocking, they're knocking, they're praying. Like Elijah, one time, two times, three times. We don't just want the fire. We want to see the rain. We want to see the city saved. We want to see this nation turn back to God. And prayer is the key. Yes, we need to do evangelism. Yes, we need to go on the street. Yes, but prayer is what opens the heavens because when the heavens are open, believe me, people get saved in the streets. People get healed at workplaces. People's lives get changed in their homes, in schools. The, 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 the presence of God begins to saturate every place. Jesus told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem for the fire. Wait. Wait. Don't go out, don't do anything. First, the fire. First, the fire. And they got unanimous in one accord. And they offered Jesus sacrifices of praise, of adoration. They offered their bodies to the Lord right there in the upper room. And then the fire came. Tongues of fire upon everyone. They were drunk. Drunk in the Holy Spirit. You know, people complain about the manifestations. Look at the book of Acts. People thought that they were drunk. And you think, that's so silly. That's not the Holy Spirit. They're drunk. But that was the Holy Spirit. That was the fire of God. That was power from God coming upon each one of them. And then the Bible says, they did not stay in the upper room. They did not build a church. But they went on the streets of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And they begin to walk in the streets. And the shadow of Peter began to heal every single sick person that he touched. They were all, every single one of them healed. In Jerusalem, in the streets, the rain falling. Miracles, signs and wonders taking place. So much so that the Bible says that multitudes were added to the church. Multitudes. When you go, if you've ever been to Jerusalem and you go there right now, you see how impossible this seems in the natural eye for in Jerusalem for multitudes to be added to the church. Because probably the hardest church city to evangelize in the world today is probably Jerusalem. But this is what the reign of the Spirit does, even the hardest places become easy for the Lord. Because of miracles, because of the conviction of the Spirit, the Bible says they were cut to their heart when they heard Peter. They were cut to their hearts and they cried out, what must we do to be saved? The same people who just crucified Jesus, now they're crying out, what must we do? Tell us, how can we be saved? What changed? The rain of the Spirit fell. But first came the fire. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus today wants to submerge you in the river of his love, in the river of his presence. He desires to open the eyes of your heart for you to see him for who he is. But there's a greater purpose for that that you can even imagine. He wants you to experience his love so that you will become a carrier of his love to this world. So that you will become a carrier of his power to this world. So that you will become an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. But it is all a work of the Holy Spirit. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to invite everyone to close your eyes for a few moments. right there with your eyes closed i want you to know that jesus he did not come to condemn you he came to save you jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy and the bible says that jesus came to send fire on the earth jesus speaks to you with love. He speaks to you with compassion. But He also speaks to you with truth because He loves you. Because He loves you. And because He wants you to experience abundant life. He wants you to experience His goodness, His kindness. He wants you to fulfill His purpose for your life. He wants you to know Him, to walk in His ways, ultimately he wants you to have everlasting life that's why he came that's why he looks at you and he says how long are you gonna falter between two opinions how long are you gonna be in the world and in the church make a decision if the Lord is God Worship Him only. Serve Him only. If tonight you want to say, Jesus, I want to give you my life fully as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. If tonight you say, Jesus, I recognize that I've sinned but I make a decision to repent, to change. Because I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to receive your love. I want to live for you. I want your spirit, your Holy Spirit, to come dwell in my heart, to fill me with your love and your compassion. If that is you tonight, I'm gonna ask you right there where you are to simply lift up one hand and lift it as high as you can. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Father. I bless you, Father. I bless you, Father. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you want to give Him all of your heart. If you're willing tonight to repent of your sin, to make a decision to change, with your hand uplifted, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer after me, from your heart. Say, Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you paid for my sin on the cross. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. Jesus, I confess that I've sinned. And I make a decision tonight to repent from my sins. Cleanse my heart with your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I offer to you my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. In Jesus, I make a decision tonight to forgive everyone who sinned against me. I forgive them and I bless them in Jesus' name with your eyes closed right there where you are i'm going to ask you to take a few moments and just allow the lord to examine your heart he's not here to judge you or to condemn you he loves you he paid for your sins with his own blood but it's important for you to take a moment and confess your sins to the lord the bible says that if you confess your sin he's faithful he's just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Take a few moments and talk to the Lord and He will forgive you, He will cleanse you. He He welcomes you with wide open arms. He's a good God who loves His children. And then if there's anyone specifically that you need to forgive, take a few moments and just forgive those people say i forgive them in the name of jesus i bless them listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Snapchat by using at @hungrygen. Stay blessed and we'll see you next week.